Thank you so much. It's great to be with you for Sunday night worship. And we appreciate everyone who is here for us to continue to learn about the Lord and to see how we are to live as his disciples in his world. Our scripture lesson tonight comes from Proverbs chapter 5. And we will read it. Some portions, due to the nature, because we have kids in here, we may skip over, but we'll read Uh, The majority of this in its entirety, Uh, Proverbs chapter five, starting in verse one, says this, my son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does uh, does not know it. And now, sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their feel of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say how I hated discipline. My heart despised reproof. I've not listened to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Skipping down to verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all his paths. The iniquity of the wicked ensnare him. and He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline And because of his great folly, he is led astray. Brother and sisters, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stand forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time uh, to open up your word, to uh, speak to an issue that our society needs to hear. God, I pray that uh, you would use me as your vessel to speak your word to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can learn a lot from a dummy. Buckle your safety belt. Many of you who probably remember this commercial campaign starting in the 1980s, this was an attempt to try to get people to understand the the importance of wearing your seatbelt as you're driving in the car. This campaign would go on for years and years to try to help people to see Uh, Why was it important to put on a seatbelt in case there was a crash? And the the main characters of these commercials were these two crash test dummies. Uh, These two dummies would sit in the car and they would have cameras inside of the car in order for you to see what would happen when a collision would take place. Uh, They would do different angles on different commercials. They would, uh, you would see the dummies going through the windshield. You would see what would happen if they uh, got tossed outside of this vehicle and the importance of this was to show folks that, hey, 
Don't do what we did. You can learn from our mistakes. Put your seatbelt on in order for you to be able to drive safely. Solomon in our texts in Proverbs chapter 5, although he's not a crash test dummy, he has lived life. Most scholars would say by this time he's maybe in his 40s, his 50s, as he is uh, writing these Proverbs. And uh, he's had a chance to experience some things. He had an opportunity uh, to live and he wanted to teach the children of Israel. He wanted to teach the sons uh, to not learn, to, to learn from his mistakes and not do the things that he did in order for them to be able to have a good life and to keep their eyes fixed on the Lord. He was pleading with them, wanting to give them these wisdoms that we have heard uh, every Sunday night leading up to tonight. Uh, Then he kind of makes a a brisk turn and he's turning to something that he knew uh, would lead people down a path of destruction. This whole ideal of adultery and sexual immorality. He wanted to help the young nation to learn from what he did because he found out personally through experience that that the systems of the world will take our focus off what God has called us to. That these systems of the world, the temptations of the world, the, the lust of our eyes and, and our flesh will cause us to stumble and to take our gaze off of the Lord. So in Proverbs chapter 5, he is emphatically pleading with us to be careful, to watch against the many ideas the imagination, the images that will keep us from following wholeheartedly after the Lord. The first thing we see in our text to help us in this process is that uh, we need the word. Look at what it says. He says, uh, son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and that your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey. He, he says, look, before you can try to fight this fight. If you're going to survive uh, trying to resist the temptations of this world, that you need the word. He he doesn't give them seven steps on how to fight temptation, which I know in our society, we would love to find those books to try to uh, get us a a, a quick books guide to to, to something that will help us. He didn't give them that. He didn't uh, try to give them a book that talks about how to fight against the lust of our eyes. He tells them, be attentive to wisdom, incline your ear to understanding that your lips would guard knowledge. He's saying that our life-giving word is our guide, that the word of God is a, a lamp to our feet and a light into our path, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, that we need to hear the word, that we need to read the word so that our lips can speak the word when trouble comes. That that if we are practicing uh, teaching the word to ourselves and being under great teaching, Solomon is trying to tell the nations that look, when temptation comes, that it it will help you to exercise discretion. How do we see this? Why, Why is this important? Some people may be asking, but he says that the word helps our lips to guard knowledge. Look at verse three. So when the lips of temptation approaches you dripping like honey and smoother than oil, we are not caught off guard. 
He says it's important for us to, to have the word on our lips so that when we hear the enticing uh, things that the society and that the world would bring to us to, to lure us to go in a path that is not what God has called us to do, that we will not be caught off guard, that we will be able to withstand the enemy, withstand the temptation, whether it's a woman or whether it's a man that is trying to get you to do something that God has not called us to do to get us to live outside of the parameters that he gave us in marriage. He says, look, you won't be caught off guard. That when temptation comes, it looks sweet. It looks sweet as honey. Uh, during their day, he, honey was the sweetest thing that they had. They didn't have uh, the artificial sweeteners and all the different vegan sweeteners and uh, vegetarian sweeteners that we have now. They, they had honey and, and his, his hearers would know that, that honey was sweet. And so here it is. He's saying that, that when this woman comes or when this temptation comes, it, it may look like honey. It may look like it is sweet, but in the end, it is bitter. He says this, this honey is not sweet, that, that it is supposed to be smooth as oil, which is, was the smoothest thing that they had. But he says, no, it is sharp as a two-edged sword, the temptation that comes. No matter what shape or size, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it is saying to you, he says it looks sweet. It is dripping like honey, but it is not sweet. He actually says it tastes like wormwood. Wormwood, they, they would hear this and they would know that this was something that was very bitter. Uh, that wormwood, if you consumed too much wormwood, it could be poisonous to you. It could lead to your death. He says, look, stay away. I know honey, the thought of honey, the taste of honey uh, may seem like it would give you ultimate satisfaction. He says, no, it is not. It is bitter. It is leading you down the wrong path. He uses uh, poetically, he, he uses his creativity to say, yes, it, it looks sweet, but it's not sweet. It's actually bitter. Stay away because it will leave you feeling empty. Barbara Leeming in her wonderful biography on Marilyn Monroe uh, deals with this ideal of, of emptiness, uh, the emptiness that, that, that misplaced sexual emotions would bring to a person. She recalls a time when Marilyn, uh, who was uh, for some time in American culture, was the epitome of beauty. Uh, she's now married to the, to the great Yankee Joe DiMaggio, and uh, she was scheduled to do a performance for U.S. troops at, at an air base. Uh, she said about Marilyn that although she was very shy, that, that she loved getting on the stage and performing uh, she, she loved the cheers that the men would give her. She loved the looks that they would give us. And here it is that she loved the power that she had over them in that moment. The, the, the enticement of the eyes, the, 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 the thing, the thoughts that were going through their mind. She, she loved it. She, she, she was energized by it. But yet, once the performances were over, she was left empty. And even anyone who would see the shows that would be in the audience that, that would be looking and thinking whatever they were looking and thinking at, whatever they was imagining, that they would walk away empty too because she would just hop on a plane and leave. If you're seeking satisfaction outside of God's design, you are headed down a road of emptiness. So how do, how do we fight this? 
Look at what Solomon says in the text. He says that, 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 that this power of temptation, it is, it is sharper as, as a two-edged sword. It is sharp as a two-edged sword. I know as you hear this, it sounds familiar, that this two-edged sword. He says, look, this fight against sexual sin and perversion, it's a hard fight. He says, I know this all too well. However, God offers something stronger. That if we're going to survive, we can't rely on our own strength. We must rely on God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He says, look, if if the, the lust of this world is sharp as... A two-edged sword. We, we can't fight it on our own. We need the word of God that is sharper than a two-edged sword to help us as we try to fight these temptations, these attacks from our society and our world. He says, if not, if you, if you go down, you're going to lead it to the path that ends to a dead end in verse 6. That we, we need the word. We need to fight adultery or any sin that we are living with because we don't want to end down the wrong path. Solomon says we we need the word to help us, but if we don't follow the word, that we will experience a season of waste. This is what he says. He says, look, listen to me. Don't depart from my words. Keep away from her. Don't go near her lest you give your honor to others, your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Essentially what Solomon is saying in regular language for them is that, look, adultery leads to personal denigration and financial depletion. That the man or the woman who indulges themselves will pay the price a hundred times over. He says, for that person who is living a life that is uh, acting in a way that is against God's design, look, you're going to pay for it. You're going to uh, have a loss of honor. He says, your years are going to be terrible. He says, you will lose strength and your labor. The, the resources that you worked so hard for will go out the window if you follow, uh, if you try to go against the, the, the design that God has put forth for us. We know this all too well in our society, how uh, things that took place years ago can come back and bite individuals living in the present. A a tweet from five years ago could ruin your career today because maybe you were fighting and and, and you was walking in the way of the world. The lifestyle that you lived in the past, he says, it will come back to bite you. As I look at this, I can remember some, some words of wisdom that I got from a mentor of mine. He says, you don't want to live in your 20s to where your 40-year-old self is, is, is screaming, stop. 
That you don't want to live in a way that you, you, you live such a hard life that you uh, did things that were uh, against the will of God so that, that 20 years down the road, you will be paying the consequences for what you did in your early 20s. When, I, when, I, when I'm reading this, I, I know that many of us who were younger, we, we were doing things. We're not thinking about 20 years or 30 years down the road. But he says, look, if you do not heed the words of Scripture as it relates to, to this or anything, that, that look, you, you are going to lose it all. You could, could lose all of your, your wealth and your resources. You, will, you lose uh, your, your strength and energy trying to figure out how to maneuver from one lie to the next. Uh, he says, look, you don't want to go down this path and lose your honor. L- lose this name that, that you've worked so hard to build, that, that your family has worked so hard to build over the years. You don't want to lose that honor. So he says, look, Please listen to the word of God and follow what it says so that you can have life. If anyone who is here who is living in a way that is not the design that God has, has called us to live, I, I challenge you to, to, to hear these words of Solomon. You don't want to be paying for this down the road. As a 40-year-old, I don't want to be paying for things that I'm doing now. When I'm 60, I want to make sure I'm, I'm heeding the word of God so that I can live in a way that gives him honor and glory in everything that I do. Solomon says, look, I, I want you to know that you need the word. That, that living in opposition of the word leads to waste. But lastly, and most important, he says, look, God is watching. Uh, skip down to verses uh, 21 says, for the, for the man's ways are, are before the eyes of the Lord. He, he ponders all of his paths, his uh, iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. And he is led, uh, he is held fast in the courts of his sin. That's the final point that we have. But to color in what uh, we, we skipped over, essentially what he tells us is he's uh, given us the, the relational components in 14 through 20. He says, husbands, if, if you're married, stay faithful to your wife. Love your wife. Wives, if you are married, stay, stay faithful to your husband and, and, and do what is necessary in your holy matrimony, in your marriage to, to love each other well. The others that we can talk about later. But verse 20 through 23, he says, look, God is watching everything that you're doing. He says you have a decision to make. He said, God is watching his, his words that Solomon gave us provide tangible evidence for, for why we should live righteously. All the Proverbs leading up to now, he's given us great wisdoms and how to live and to, to how, how to navigate life. And he says, look, that, all that's good. But most importantly, you shouldn't do these things just because I'm, I'm telling you to or because it'll make you look good with the crowd. He says, look, God is watching. That no matter what you're thinking, no matter how you're living, that, that God is watching every move, every step. He knows every thought. He says, look, you need to live righteously and follow God's design because man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He says that man's paths are not hidden from God. That where, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doing, that many people in our society, in our culture, they feel like they're able to maneuver and to catch God off guard because of 
certain lifestyle choices that, that, they, that we make. We feel like we're doing certain things in our own little silo, in our little closet. Uh, but but he, Solomon says, no, God is watching. He, he's watching what you are doing. He, he knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He says, so be careful because his eyes are watching you. He says, your ways are not hidden from God. You may be able to hide from, from, from people in your community groups. You may be able to hide uh, from people in your parish that you're doing life with. But, uh, but ultimately, he says, look, God knows what you're doing. Even when you think you have covered all your tracks, when the people who are holding you accountable are trying to, to be in your life and you, you figure out ways how to, how to navigate so that they can't see or they can't know, he says, you may be able to do that for us. You may be able to hide away from family members, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with. Uh, you, you may be able to hide against, hide, hide from your, your church members or for folks that works. But he says, look, God is watching. And he knows your ways. Your paths are not hidden from God. And for those who continue to, to walk in ways that is against the way God has designed, he says, look, You'll be ensnared by your sin. Look at verse 22. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. If he continues, he dies for a lack of discipline. Because of his great folly, he is led astray. C.S. Lewis has this quote in Mere Christianity. He says, no man knows how bad he is till he tries very hard to be good. And I can imagine this, this Solomon is, 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 is writing all the Proverbs, but particularly chapter five, since we're here today. I, I can imagine the emotion that he has as he uh, is trying now in his older age to, to, to do right. And he's trying to tell the nation, hey, you can learn from my mistakes and as he's writing this, he probably didn't realize how, how bad his lot was until he began to look back, look in the rearview mirror to see just how his sin had led the people astray. We, we know how Solomon and his leadership, uh, because of who he married and uh, the many times he married, they, they kept the, the, these ladies who he married to, they, they had him drifting away from the Lord. Because he drifted away from the Lord, the, the people, the entire nation drifted away from God and began to worship idols at rates that we can't even count. So he, he looks back and he realizes that his experiences can help future generations. No matter how good we try to be, he realizes that, look, I need to help this next generation to learn from my past mistakes. He, here he uses his past mistakes to, to be present day pieces of wisdom for us so that we can live. Someone in here may be thinking, oh my goodness, this is a hard task for me to try to do everything as, as, as God has designed. It's hard. Do you not realize the struggles that we face? Do you not realize how enticing society is? Do you not realize how, how media and social media and, and music and everything that, 
that we're hearing nonstop how it gets into us. You, you don't understand the struggle. Solomon understands that as well because he, he realizes, look, no matter how good we try to be, the encouragement for all of us here today that without the help of Christ, that we're doomed. Without the help of Christ, without his word, without us meditating and praying on his word, that we will fail if we try to do it in our own strength. That we need the help of a savior to strengthen us for this journey. This table that we're about to take part of is, is a reminder that, look, God is faithful to us. He knew that we could not do it in our own strength. That's why he sent Christ down to die in our place and die for our sin to help us in those times of need. Second Corinthians 4 says that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Why? Because he, he lived and experienced what we did yet without sin. And now because of that, we have a faithful high priest who we're able to go to and he's able to intercede on, on our behalf. Look, we can't do it in our own strength. And this table reminds us of Christ's love for us. that He died in our place and for our sin so that he could help us on this journey. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to gather uh, to grapple with some of these hard issues that many people are struggling with. Sexual immorality, adultery, ruining families, ruining lives of individuals. God, I pray you would help us all to not fall into those temptations of this world. For those who are struggling, God, we pray that you would, by your spirit, would help them right now. For those who are, are, are making it okay, don't let us get too, uh, too high on ourselves lest we fall. Help us all, God. We need your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.